Well, good evening, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir, Alberta. Uh, thank you for joining me. The last few lives I've done have been interesting, to say the least. Uh, I found I was delving more into an episode of Dallas, or I don't know. I don't even know any other soap operas. That's how old I am. Then I was actually working towards any kind of a solution or doing anything really productive. So that's going to change tonight. Uh, we really need to get to work. And the reason for that is I've been seeing some absolutely ridiculous things online lately, uh, hearing them on the radio, seeing them in billboards, hearing them from people. And it really drives home the fact that, hey, buddy, uh, it really drives home the fact that we got to get involved and do something about what's what's happening these days. Because if we don't, we're going to end up in a really bad spot. If you don't believe me, you can ask some of my friends that I've met in Holland. Um, they're going through some pretty crazy climate-related issues, including loss of farms and uh, loss of fishing boats and all sorts of things. But that's not the topic of tonight's live stream. Tonight, I wanted to talk about this. Oh, let me see. I got to share the screen. Just one second. I want to talk about this. Where is it? There you are. So I don't know if you can read that or not, um, but this is a tweet from a fellow named Charles Adler. Now, I don't know who this is, but apparently lots of people pay attention to him. Lots of people follow him. And uh, what he says makes a difference to people and they, they believe him, whether he's telling the truth or telling a lie. So what he says in this tweet is, if you're serious about the future of oil and gas and its impact on the Alberta economy and the transition that is underway, take a look at Markham Hislop's work. Or you can be an uncurious, oh no, sorry, you can be uncurious and accept the demagoguery of Premier Smith and other UCP voices along with the laziest of media lapdogs. So um, I do want to point out before I really get into this, that there are a couple errors in this statement in the first place. Um, the first one is a transition that's underway. Now, I don't know about you, but everything I've seen, all the statistics I've seen, uh, they suggest that we are not reducing our dependency nor our need for oil and gas products or oil and gas in general. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. The projections for uh, our, our, our need for oil and gas going into the next 25 years uh, show that it almost doubles. So this entire idea that we're in the middle of a transition away from oil and gas is absolutely ludicrous. Whoa, whoa, hold it. I can hear you through my screen. I know you're saying, but I have windows on my roof or on my, on my roof, I have windmills on my, on my farm. I've got solar panels on my roof. We don't need oil and gas anymore. Yes, you do. All of the technologies currently being implemented to reduce our need for oil and gas require the equivalent producing natural, or pardon me, fossil fuel fired energy production system. I don't know if I explained that quite correctly. Basically what I'm saying is, if you have a 100 megawatt renewable renewable energy installation, i.e. windmills and solar panels, um, 
you must have a backup system for when the sun's not shining and the wind's not blowing. That's just the way it is with that technology at this time. And I, I don't know if you, if you don't believe me, I guess you can just look for yourself, but that that's the, that's the fact we cannot rely 100% on unreliable wind and solar at this point, we can reduce our need for energy by, you know, doing things we already do, like turning our thermostat down and freezing in our home. Um, you know, maybe not using energy one month so we can afford to buy groceries. We can do those things that reduce our need, but we can't eliminate, eliminate it altogether. So this whole idea that we're in the middle of a transition away from oil and gas is ludicrous. I've heard for years that oil and gas is in its twilight phase. No, it's not. No, it is not. We do not have technology at this point that comes even close to what we get bang for the buck from oil and gas, period. We don't, except for nuclear, but people don't like nuclear because they're scared. And we're going to talk about fear a little bit later. So Charles Adler is, is basically saying that uh, you really got to pay attention to this Markham guy and what he's saying and the work he's doing because we're going through this transition. And um, the, your only other option is to be uncurious, of which I am not. I am certainly curious about everything. Uh, and accept the demagoguery of Premier Smith and other USP boys. Well, <clears throat> isn't it funny how people that stand up for themselves get labeled with things like that uh, by people who have no idea what they're talking about or just disagree with them? So I'm going to give Charles a pass on the demagoguery comment, and we're going to move on. We're going to transition away from that. So Markham Hislop, I, I hope I'm saying his name wrong, because if I'm not, I'm going to be labeled a racist, I'm sure. Uh, let me share the screen here. Where are you? Uh, Markham. How about this one? There we go. So here he is. He looks like he is uh, a contributor to energy media. Now, this is a first for me. I haven't really seen anything from energy media, so I can't. I can't really comment on the other stuff they put out, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to, I'm going to go through this article that he's written and I'm going to comment on it as best I can. Now, keep in mind, I haven't really prepared for this. This is just all off the cuff with information that's up here. Uh, maybe in the future, hopefully in the near future, we'll do something more formal with some, you know, some slides with some, some statistics and some sciencey stuff uh, to support what I'm saying. But for now, uh, I guess if you don't believe me, you're going to have to Google it yourself. Um, don't phone my cafe and harass my staff about it uh, because you're too lazy to look up the information for yourself. Just go ahead and look it up. It's not going to hurt you. Education is great. Knowledge is power. And if I say anything wrong, then I guess you have a little bit of power over me, which you should love. So here we go. So the title. Start, starting off, the title, Daniel Smith quote, rage farms, unquote, about federal just transition. Now, it's very difficult for me to continue talking about something or even pay ten paying attention to it when people do things like this. So right in the title of this article, this guy has made up a term that I'm sure he's going to hope gets used again and again and again to discredit, similar to conspiracy theorist or climate denier or COVID denier or anti-masker. You know those catchphrases that people use over and over and over again? They really mean nothing. Um, 
but unfortunately they get repeated so many times that it becomes some sort of weird fake truth. Yes. Okay. So that's what rage farm is. So what he's saying is that Daniel Smith is all she's doing here is just creating a bunch of rage that people will, or that can be used or harnessed to get her support because she's fighting against what the people are raging against. And I, I disagree with that statement completely because People should be absolutely raging and furious about what the federal government wants to do to us in the first place. Um, Daniel Smith certainly doesn't have to do any work to get people angry about this. All people have to do to get angry is pay attention and look and see what the federal government is doing and how they're talking about Alberta. So there we go. There's the title. So let's get into it. Ah, oh, crap. Here we go again. Another false statement that makes it difficult to get through it, but we're going to give him a... No, we're not going to give him a pass. We're just going to transition into the next part of this. It's going to be a just transition. Deeply unpopular Premier tries to deflect attention from her own government by blaming Ottawa. Let's make this quick. Our Premier is not deeply unpopular. People have a lot of questions. They're unsure, but she sure as heck isn't deeply unpop unpopular. That's going to show... Um, in just a few short months in May, we have an election and it's going to show exactly how popular our premier is. Um, he also says that she's trying to deflect attention from her own government by blaming Ottawa. That's completely bogus. What's happening here is our government of the day has identified that Alberta and the federal government are at odds on certain things. The federal government is intruding on Alberta's sovereign jurisdiction in multiple areas. And the government is saying, no, you are not going to do that. We've had enough. That's not a deflection. That's an admission of reality and admission of the truth. Something which, which other governments have been hard pressed to do before this. So no, uh, our premier is not deeply unpopular. And no, she's not trying to deflect attention away from her government. She's trying to focus attention on what the actual problems are so that people can, you know, first you have to know you have a problem and then you figure out a solution. That's what's happening here. Our government is trying to show that we have this problem so that we can we can afford a solution. So let's get into the article. The past year gave us the incendiary phase rage farming. It means to stoke anger for crass political purposes. The big lie, repeat a falsehood often enough and it becomes the truth. Remember, I just said that, interesting, this guy's smart. Um, and conspiracy theories are the favorite implements of rage farmers. Premier Daniel Smith, the former radio shock jock is a rage farmer. Her latest big lie is that the Prime Minister will use uh, just transition legislation to shut down the Alberta oil and gas sector. Okay, so I, I already talked about some of this before, but um, I want to mention real quick that a lot of the conspiracy theories that this fella is talking about, um, you know, the WEF in, encroaching into uh, uh, partisan politics and affecting policy, the United Nations and their Agenda 2030 that calls for uh, the end of basically all, everything, uh, including a reduction of the world's population. These were all conspiracy theories just a few short years ago. And now they're they're facts. These are things that th these organizations are actually telling us they want to do to us. Uh, it's in black and white. They don't hide it. They're not ashamed of it. And a few years ago, we were called conspiracy theorists because we spoke about it, right? So... Let, let, let's let's just get past that knowing that uh, today's conspiracy theory may very well be next year's recent history. 
Justin Trudeau intends to shut down our energy industry through uh, industries through something he calls just transition plan. Smith tweeted on Thursday. I won't let him. She then set the bait, calling on NDP Rachel leader Rachel Notley to put part. Oh my goodness. Partisanship aside, for the sake of Alberta's economy, and join us. Okay, uh, you, me, and everybody knows that the NDP government would not work with our our UCP government or any other government for that matter who had anything to do with Alberta's best interest at heart because I think it might even be a policy with the NDP um, to do exactly the opposite of what the UCP want to do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. But, uh, you know, kudos to the Premier for offering the, the invitation for the NDP, but they're not going to do it. Notley ignored her. Ah, yes, of course she did. Albertans should follow suit because they will hear plenty more about the supposed evils of just transition between now and the May election. And it will be nothing but more rage farming. <clears throat> so this guy is, he is quite literally casting all of the concerns that anybody who's upset about this has aside and just saying that the only reason people are angry is because someone's telling them to be angry. Well, no, people are angry because they understand what this just transition means for Alberta and actually what it means for Canada as a whole. And if you look at this globally, what the just transition looks like, it's not just oil and gas. They are just transitioning out of commercial fishing in the Netherlands. I was just there. 76 out of the 90 boats are scrapped. They are just transi transitioning out of family farming. They're putting in policies, environmental policies, that force farmers to give it up, sell to the government, return their farmland to nature in the name of biodiversity to meet the Agenda 2030 plan, right? Um, so these conspiracy theories are coming to fruition in real time right now. There are places that have started the just transition, including Sri Lanka. They transitioned from um, using nitrogen-based fertilizer a few years back. Uh, they did the 30% reduction that we're going to see here in Canada that they're also seeing in Holland, and it destroyed their economy. It destroyed their crop output. They're still recovering from it, and it was so bad that the government toppled. So while people didn't get involved and pay attention enough to stop the policy in the first place, eventually reality slapped them in the face so hard that they were forced to actually reset their government. <coughs> That's coming here, and it's happening in Holland right now. But don't worry, it's just. Because we must be net zero at all costs. All costs. At all costs. Yes, you heard me right. At all costs. Uh, okay. Uh, rage farming, which is sad. The idea of just transition is sensible and fair. Qualities Albertans admire. As the global energy system slowly transitions away from fossil fuels, workers should be helped to build new careers and communities should be helped to build new industries. The government of Scotland prepared a useful backgrounder on various types of just transitions that is worth reading. <coughs> Scotland is so pissed off about what the government's doing, what the United Kingdom's doing and the policies that are coming down the pipeline, that they have a very strong independence movement. Sound familiar? The United Kingdom and the European Union, for that matter, want to just transition away from a lot of these things. And Scotland is so pissed off that they want to leave. Unfortunately, there's so many clans in Scotland that don't get along with each other. They're not working together uh, in a way that they need to do in, to, 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 to get their independence. But that is a, a very common, commonly known thing in Scotland is that they don't want to go that way. So 
I'm glad he brought up Scotland. Now let's talk about just transition being sensible and fair. So what is a just transition? What, what the federal government is saying is that we need to transition anybody who has a job or the majority of people that have a job in the energy industry, oil and gas industry, away from there. So we need to use tax dollars to retrain them. We need to use tax dollars to put retirement packages together for those that can't be retrained or are nearing retirement. Um, now, when I say use tax dollars, what I'm saying is use your dollars. The federal government is saying they want to use our money to tell us we can no longer do the jobs that pay our bills and we have to pay for another education or some subsidized work program or whatever that uses tax dollars into a different area. Maybe we'll go be windmill mechanics. Maybe we'll be the people that pick up the dead birds and the pieces of birds from around the windmills. Maybe we'll be the people that go around in the winter in the fossil fuel, fossil fuel, hydrocarbon powered truck, and we'll spray de-icing solution on the, the solar panels. Maybe that'll be our new job. But tax dollars are going to pay for us to transition to, the, to, to that new job. And it's just. Why is it just? Why do we have to transition? Because we have to be net zero and not use oil and gas at all costs. Now, I should have started out this video with a disclaimer. I do not believe that we should be even considering the idea of net zero at all costs. I don't think we should even be considering the idea of net zero at minimal cost. Now, I'm... Uh, a minority in this in this opinion, um, but my opinions are based on solid fact and scientific evidence and statistics. It is. Uh, if you if you consider what what our governments should be doing, should they be focusing on one thing like like net zero carbon dioxide? Probably not. I would say a better thing to focus on would be um, ensuring that humans prosper and flourish, and we all have equal opportunity and and we can we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. I would say those are things that we should be pursuing at all costs, human flourishing. And if human flourishing was only attainable by being net zero, then sure, we should be pursuing net zero. But it's quite the opposite. Human flourishing uh, has increased exponentially with the use of oil and gas. So it goes to say, if we stop using it, then we will very likely be moving backwards, especially considering that we don't have an energy source currently that is capable of replacing that, um, that, that tool we have. So no, I don't believe in net zero. Uh, I think we should be doing the opposite. I think we should be burning more oil and gas. And what we're going to see, here's my, uh, my, my prophetic interpretation of what I've seen in the, in the past. We're going to see more and more oil and gas use moving forward. It doesn't matter what kind of ideological motivations our politicians have at all. They cannot fight reality any more than they can fight climate change by not driving. They can't. And time will tell. Um, what we do now is going to decide how prosperous we are while we're waiting for reality to slap us in the face. But um, reality, it, we can't escape it. And we're going to see more and more oil and gas used in the future. And in areas where 
people are pushed into energy poverty, uh, i.e. Alberta right now, yes, some people are in energy poverty, you're going to see the quality of life and life in general reduced. Human flourishing will be reduced, prosperity will, will be reduced, quality of life will be reduced at the same rate as we reduce our use of oil and gas. Anyway, so that's my position on that. We need to be using more oil and gas, not less. Uh, this whole thing is a sham. However, <coughs> I realize that I'm a minority in this opinion, and I know that I'm not going to change enough minds in order to um, get around this in, in the next six months. So what are we forced to do? We're forced to play their stupid game and wait for reality to slap the government in the face, just like it did in Sri Lanka, just like it's going to do in Holland. It will happen in Canada, and there will come a time when people have suffered enough that they will force the government to step down, and they'll say, what have you done to us, and we're going to fix it. Meanwhile, millions of people will have died and suffered, or, or suffered, and damage will be done, tears will be shed, but such is humanity and society. We don't do anything until it affects us, but once it's affected us, it's affected millions of other people. Anyway, I'm totally off topic. Let's continue on in this article. Uh, Alberta has already lost 33,000 oil and gas direct jobs in the past 10 years. Most of them were service sector jobs. Regional hubs like Red Deer and small towns like Tabor and Wainwright depended on those jobs. Rig hands and pumpers and supply salesmen bought gas at the local service station and meals at the local restaurants, high wages, paid mortgages and vehicle payments. Well, let me tell you something. In the last 10 years, we've lost tens of thousands of workers to other areas of the world. We lost tens of thousands of people to, um, to the United States because you know th their energy industry wasn't under attack quite as much as ours was here uh, a lot of people retired a lot of people moved into contract jobs which i don't know if they're included in these stats so i would say that this number of thirty-three thousand oil and gas direct jobs in the past 10 years it might be accurate it might not i think it's less important uh that number and more important to note that right now there are a lot of oil and gas jobs and they are bringing people out of uh, poverty levels that they they happened to enter into in the last few years and they're bringing them out very fast um all of the companies that i know are hiring right now almost everywhere is busy we're flat out in alberta and is it because we're transitioning away from oil and gas no it's not it's because these energy companies that are participating in these net zero schemes by the way they know that oil and gas demand is going to increase in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, not decrease. So the, the gates of capital expenditure are flown open. Projects are being done all over Alberta, all over Saskatchewan, in Northern BC, uh, down through the Midwest United States into Texas, and even into South America. So these the really, really smart money men know what the future holds, and they know it's not a just transition away from oil and gas. Otherwise, they wouldn't be spending billions and billions of dollars um, in uh, exploration and development. So, uh, yeah, uh, where were we here? Where was the support for these workers when their jobs disappeared? Sure, there were the usual employment unemployment programs, and Notley was roundly criticized by conservatives for deficit spending, in part to maintain services in those communities from 2015 to 2019. 2015 to 2019 sucked. It really did. Uh, it was the perfect storm for the energy industry. It wasn't just Notley. It wasn't just the Alberta government. It was world oil prices that did this. And it was the result of globalist 
um, anti-human thinking infiltrating into almost every level of every government across the world. Oil and gas was under attack. But what happened? No matter how much the governments said, oh, we don't want pipelines, we don't want this, we don't want that. Reality slapped them in the face and people went back to work because we need oil and gas. Because we don't have anything right now that is capable of replacing the oil and gas that we're currently using today. But the assumption has always been that the bust would be followed by a boom, jobs would return as they ha always have. Unfortunately, that assumption no longer holds. Well, that's not true because we're in the middle of a boom right now. It's literally happening right now in real time. Um, I'm not sure what this fellow is talking about. Anyhow, we'll continue. Ironically, oil and gas companies and their suppliers are to blame. The industry was slow to adopt digital technologies like artificial intelligence and big data analytics compared to other industries like manufacturing, but it's making up for lost time now. Fewer and fewer workers are needed to produce more and more oil and gas. I'm a little bit unsure about this, but from what I've seen in the field, uh, we have increased the technology that I've seen in oil and gas, both upstream and downstream, significantly in the past 20 years. Um, but we still need people. Uh, any any resource-based industry is a very, it's a it's very hands-on. You need people. You have to have people there. Yeah, sure. We have systems that monitor thousands of wells at a time, and they give us real-time telemetry on uh, casing pressures, tubing pressures, flow rates, uh, any any weirdness that's going on, those kinds of things. But you still have to have somebody go out there and physically check these things. You still have to have things maintained. You still have to do this, basically the same kind of work, uh, like service rig work on these wells. You have to drill the holes. You have to frack them. So yeah, you know, technology has a place in oil and gas, but the reduction in hands-on people-based um, resource it's not reduced as much as say like a, you know, an automobile assembly plant where everything can be done by a robot. Uh, it just, it just cannot be done with oil and gas because of the, the nature of the beast. The graph shows, the graph above shows a steady decline in employment while the one below shows ever rising oil output. In fact, oil supply grew by over a million barrels per day during the decade, those 33,000 jobs vanished. That's an interesting statement. Um, there, there, there has been a decline in employment in Alberta, I would say, probably in oil and gas, just from kind of the feeling I get and word on the street and, and being in the industry for 20 years, I, I talk to people and I think I have an idea what's going on. Um, but the, the rise of output is more to do with human beings thinking about or coming up with better ways to access oil reserves, gas reserves, um, how to produce them, better technologies in, in those regards. Uh, and, and guess what? A lot of that's done because we use oil and gas and machines do work for us and we have time to sit and ponder ways to do things better. Funny, that's kind of what happened when we started using oil and gas in the first place and why our quality of life increased so drastically because we had more time on our hands. So yeah, Technology has changed a lot in the in the 20 years I've been in oil and gas, to the point where you know a well that used to make, you know we'd we'd be happy with 100 barrels a day of oil, um, you know now you're 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 a thousand or two thousand barrels a day just because you're accessing that reservoir in a different fashion than we did 20 years ago. And 
fear this. It's going to get worse. A 2020 EY study estimates that 30% of the Canadian oil and gas workforce, about 50,000 jobs, will be lost by 2040 because of digital technologies. Alberta experts think those jobs will be gone this decade as companies mercilessly, 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 mer oh my freaking goodness, without compassion, drive down costs. Interesting. I'm going to look into that. I don't know enough about it to comment, but like I said, oil and gas, energy uh, resource development and extraction is a very hands-on, it's a very hands-on industry. So I, I, I just can't see reducing it by that much, but let's have a look at that later on. Why don't those oil and gas workers deserve support? Their jobs aren't coming back and they live in communities where jobs are increasingly scarce. Shouldn't the Alberta government welcome federal dollars to help out-of-work employees? Or should Alberta taxpayers be expected to shoulder the entire financial burden while the other provinces share energy transition costs with Ottawa? Let me get this straight. Ottawa takes, what is it, $16 billion a year from Alberta. They give us some crumbs back in the form of just transition dollars to retrain energy workers who shouldn't be losing their jobs anyway because we're not going to be using less oil and gas. We're going to need more. And we ex we think that is a gift. We think that is like this money magically appears. No, this is our money in the first place that they're just giving it back. And let's back that up a little bit and say, maybe we shouldn't be giving them that much money at all if this is what they want to do with it. If the federal government wants to destroy Alberta's resource development um, and production, why are we giving them all that money? This is where we get that money. This is how we get the billions of dollars that we send to the federal government, who in turn sends it back to us because we're the embarrassing cousins of Canada and we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. But don't worry, give, keep giving us your money. It makes my head hurt. It drives me to drink. Surely Premier Smith knows about Alberta's coal workforce transition program. The program provides financial assistance for reemployment, retirement, relocation, and education for displaced coal workers. O Ottawa was a partner, and the Auditor General harshly criticized it for taking a business-as-usual approach to federal support. Lessons to be learned for next time. <sighs> the decimation of the coal industry by the NDP government in this province was one of the worst things that they did. And it didn't make a damn lick of difference in overall climate change statistics. While Alberta was killing jobs and killing clean coal plants, by the way, you might think of coal as London uh, circa, you know, 16, 1700s. That's not what Alberta coal is. Alberta coal is one of the cleanest burning coals on the planet, if not the cleanest burning. Our technologies were world class to the point where, where our emissions from our coal plants were damn near on par with natural gas power plants. And there was no reason to do that. It was an ideological move, political, all the way, nothing to do with reality, no basis in reality, and it harmed Alberta. And we shouldn't have done it. So the rest of the argument kind of pisses me off in the first place because Alberta got rid of their few coal plants they had. Meanwhile, China and India have been installing new coal plants this entire time. Everything we do here in Canada with our 1.5% contribution to global emissions doesn't do a damn thing globally. What it does do 
is reduce the quality of life of Canadians to the point where we can no longer use energy anymore. And we don't even want to exist and we just go and get maids. But if if maybe this isn't redu about reducing our carbon footprint, maybe it's about reducing human impact, I'd say they're doing a very, very good job. Global energy transition cannot be stopped or slowed. Yes, it can. And it will. Maybe not now, maybe not next year. Maybe they're going to be doing a bunch of stupid things between now and the time reality slaps them in the face, but it will. It will slap them in the face and it's going to hit hard. The energy transition is a global process driven by new technologies, including digital ones. Change is inevitable and Alberta cannot resist that change. Better to acknowledge change is underway now and plan for it. So um, we're going to destroy you. You cannot stop it. So you may as well roll over and get used to it. Just pre-lube your butthole so when the federal government fucks you, it doesn't hurt so much. Pardon my crass, but that's exactly what this is. That's exactly what this guy is saying. We can't stop it. You may as well just give in. The federal government's not going to stop abusing you or taking advantage of you, so you may as well just enjoy it. Huh. Wow. Smith's rage farming. Oh, I was raging there, but it wasn't farmed. That was all me. Smith's rage farming would be comical if she wasn't playing with the lives of Alberta workers, their families, and their communities. Today's, today's, what? Today, it's rural Alberta, but tomorrow, it will be Calgary and oil company head offices. Calgarians remember oil and gas engineers trudging through the, uh, I don't know, the plus 15s, looking for work during the last bust that started in 2015. Oh, the 15s, yeah. Those engineers were often told by employers in other industries that their hydrocarbon experience was a liability. A just transition program could have helped them build the skills needed to get a new job. Well, most of them are working, uh, probably working in other countries where they don't attack oil and gas. And let me tell you something about Premier Danielle Smith. Standing up against what the federal government is trying to do and the general consensus that Alberta is evil and oil and gas is evil and we're causing climate change and killing the planet, that is not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing at all. And she's doing it. She is going to fight this. She's going to do everything she can to keep Alberta from going down that path. Um, and no, we're not completely aligned on it because the conversation for me starts with, is net zero in the best interest of human beings? And I say no. And she's going with yes. But unfortunately, that's where we're going. So I'm, I'm not sure what to do about that. Playing with the lives of Albertans? Our federal government is talking about removing our primary energy source, telling us we can't drive anymore. We can't heat our homes anymore. <clears throat> That's playing with lives. If oil and gas use made our quality of life, our length of life, so much better than it was beforehand, and we get rid of it, how do you not see you're playing with people's lives? If our senior citizens can no longer afford to heat their homes and they don't turn their furnace on one day because they just can't, you know, they just can't, they can't afford it and they freeze or get sick and get pneumonia and die, are you not playing with people's lives? Are you not playing with my life by increasing the cost to do business to the point where it's almost impossible to do business anymore? Should restaurants have to suffer that fate? Or how about our schools? 
How about our schools? Let's look at schools and hospitals. You have to heat schools and hospitals. You have to use oil and gas to do it and oil and gas products to do everything within those two things. You drive, you, you, you transition away from it and you alter the supply demand model to the point where is it going to be uneconomical to operate our schools anymore? Or are we just going to tax people to death in order to pay for it? What are we doing here playing with people's lives? They are quite literally playing with people's lives. This isn't just about jobs. This this is not just about a just transition. This is about people's lives. The question that I asked in the first place, is net zero in the best interest of humanity? The answer unequivocally is no. But our government says yes, and they're dragging us down that path. And the premier says, if they're dragging us down that path, we can play the game and we can do it better. That's not playing with people's lives. That's trying to minimize damage while waiting for reality to slap you in the face. So, does anybody know what the Premier is talking about? How Alberta can actually achieve net zero? I hate net zero, by the way. But how Alberta can achieve net zero and satisfy the federal government's anti-human policies? I'll tell you. Exporting LNG. We can do that. Exporting LNG. We gain carbon offsets. If we plant trees, we gain offsets. And full disclosure here, this whole idea of carbon offsets and credits is ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. It is pure fiction. It's pure fantasy. It has no place in civilized society. It's nothing more than a wealth transfer. But this is the game the federal government is forcing us to play. So I'll continue. If we bury CO2, we gain offsets. I don't like this idea because at one time, the oil and gas that we're burning was organic matter on the surface of the planet that was part of the CO2 cycle. It was a plant or an animal that stored carbon dioxide in the form of whatever in its body and then became oil. So all we're doing, similar to a biomass operation, do you know what biomass is? Like basically burning trees and vegetation to create electricity. They say that's carbon neutral because at one point that carbon dioxide in the tree was in the atmosphere. So we're just putting it back. Well, newsflash, the carbon dioxide that was in the oil and gas that we're producing was at one time in the atmosphere. So maybe we'd be doing the earth a service by returning the carbon dioxide back to the atmosphere um, because now we're actually deficient if we go back a few thousand years and look at what the levels were. But I digress. If we use natural gas for petrochemicals, not burning it, um, we can increase industry, increase gas production, and not increase our CO2 bill. If we use bitumen for asphalt, we get credits. If we use small nuclear reactors for industrial projects, we get credits. I like that idea. I think we should be using small nuclear reactors all over the place because it is the best form of energy that we have on the planet at this time. Not the cheapest and most available, but it is the best. All of those things put Alberta into a position where we meet the demands of the federal government. I don't agree with the demands. I think the demands are ludicrous. But if we're forced to play the game, Alberta can do it, and we can do it without destroying our oil and gas industry. And we shouldn't destroy it out of compassion for those around us, our friends and neighbors, both in Canada and out, 
because we know global oil and gas production or demand will increase. It has to increase unless something somehow wipes out a bunch of people off the planet. Sorry, that's sad. I have a thought there. It's kind of scary. So is the premier rage farming? No. Should we be upset about what the federal government is wanting to do to Alberta? Yes, absolutely. We should be. We should be upset about it. Alberta does what Alberta does, and we do it very well. We do it responsibly. We do it in the cleanest way possible. We do it ethically. We do it better than anybody else in the world. Why should we be killing our industry in Alberta? in Canada, contributing 1.5% of global emissions, a drop in the bucket, nothing. Why should we be doing that? Is it ethical? It is not. Are the costs too high? They certainly are. Do you like paying what you're paying right now for, for uh, heating your home or for electricity? The costs are going to get much higher. Right now, the cost for electricity in this province is around 25 cents per kilowatt hour. You know what it is in, in Holland, in the Netherlands, where they are farther along in this? It's 89 cents. And it's going up. Do you like not having food security? Because we do not have food security right now. We have a just-in-time uh, um, model for our groceries and our food delivery in this country because... It's Canada and this it's cold. We can't grow food here. We have to bring it from other places. If we start interrupting and messing with our supply chains um, by vilifying and, and saying that oil and gas is evil, do you like paying $10 for a head of lettuce? Because that's where this is going. Let's let's say for a minute, just just bear with me and say that I'm right about needing to use more oil and gas to be uh, more prosperous as human beings, better stewards of the environment as well. Think about Alberta. How many growing days do we have in this province? Not very many. I mean, we're, we have long, cold winters, right? I think we have like 180, no, 100, 130 growing days or something. I don't know what it is for sure. Maybe somebody can, maybe somebody could put, put that in the comments. What would happen if our natural gas that we own, it's ours, by the way, the natural gas in this province below the, the surface of the earth uh, is literally held in trust by the crown. I don't care if you like the crown or not. That's what it is. It's held in trust by the crown for us. It's ours. It's like our parents have a jar of cookies and the cookies are ours and they'll give them to us whenever we want. Imagine if that energy source was so reasonably priced that we could put up a three, four, 500 acre greenhouse and heat it with natural gas. And at the same time, increase the carbon dioxide levels inside said greenhouse to a point to the point where plants grew the best, which by the, by the way, is a way higher than what our atmospheric CO2 is right now. It's almost double. Greenhouses, you see CO2 generators in them, they're there for a reason. Imagine if Alberta used their natural gas like that. And we heated greenhouses 365 days a year. They do it in other places. I saw them in Holland. Now, mind you, it doesn't hit minus 45 in Holland, uh, maybe minus 10, minus 15. But the, 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 the technology and the idea 
is the same. Alberta, we do not have to truck food in from Mexico or from California. We don't have to. We could grow it here in greenhouses in Alberta 365 days a year using natural gas, of which, by the way, we have about a thousand year reserve at our current uh, production reserves and demand. We could do that. Now, would that be an ethical thing to do? To not have to use trucks to drive thousands of kilometers to bring fresh food and fruit into our province? Would it would it make sense to have humongous heated greenhouses and grow it here? Would that be an ethical thing to do? Would it maybe even be less of an environmental impact? It would certainly be safer. I mean, if Alberta didn't have to use trucks to bring vegetables in, how many trucks would be putting less miles on the roads? But these things aren't even considered by the federal government or even the provincial government, as far as I know, because their arguments are not about human prosperity or thriving as human beings or flourishing as human beings. They're focused on one thing and one thing only, and that is net zero carbon dioxide output at all costs. I say the costs associated with what they want to do are too high. Back when we signed the Paris Accord and that ridiculous Kyoto Accord bullshit, do you remember what the, the experts were saying we had to do to meet these requirements? End oil and gas. End agriculture and farming. End transport. As in no trucks, no cars, no nothing, no air travel, no farms, no dairy, no cheese, no chickens, no crickets, because that's an impact as well. No oil and gas for heat, nothing. All of those things had to be reduced to zero to meet the Paris Climate Accord demands. The cost is too high. Now, I don't agree with our government participating in net zero at all. But unfortunately, I am a minority in my opinions, opinions for now. We're going that way. And at least right now, at this very moment, we have a premier who is willing to put in the work and play the game and show the federal government, no, you stay out of our business because you can tell us that you want us to be net zero and we will do it our way. The federal government is not happy and they do not acknowledge anything Alberta does. Did you know that Justin Trudeau recently said that Alberta is lacking and they're way behind the times in utilizing carbon capture and storage technologies? What a freaking bonehead. We've been doing that here for years and we're one of the best at it. We have a virtue signaling ideologically flawed CO2 pipeline coming from Fort Saskatchewan down to my area doing carbon capture and re a reservoir repressurization so we can increase oil and gas production here. We've had that for years. We're doing these things. So my argument here is because right now, Daniel Smith is our premier and she's trying. My argument is if the federal government has targets for us, give us the damn targets. We'll meet them in Alberta. We'll meet them our way and we'll continue to be global energy a global energy giant, an ethical oil and gas producer. We'll do it our way. We will adapt. We'll play your silly little games. 
we'll make the numbers on the paper match what you want us to do, but we're doing it our way. Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government don't care. They don't care that we're trying to do it our way. <clears throat> Just like they don't care if farmers uh, increase their efficiency to the point where they reduce their uh, CO2 um, uh, impact. It's only about a number. Reduce your fertilizer by 30%. That's it. It doesn't matter if you're doing something else that uh, has an equal outcome. We want you to do this and do it now. The federal government does not want Alberta to be cleaner, greener, more efficient, and have less net CO2 output. They want our oil and gas to be terminated, period. That's it. Tell me I'm wearing a tinfoil hat right now, and then let's come back and revisit this in two years. I guarantee you, I bet you, this pencil right here, it's a number two, that I'm right about this. This is not about reducing CO2. This is not about being cleaner and more ethical and responsible in, in, in our environment. This is about killing the energy industry, period. In a country that is responsible for less than 1.5% of all emissions. Is this ethical? Not at all. Do these two, Charles Adler and Markham Hislop, do they look at this from any kind of an ethical perspective other than we must reduce or uh, have be net zero at all costs? No, they don't. They jump on the anti-Premier Smith bandwagon claiming that she's only doing this to create rage and get votes. Well, we just had a Premier who did whatever he had to do to get votes. And I can almost guarantee you he wouldn't be doing what Daniel Smith is doing right now. And no, this isn't an ad for Daniel Smith. This is me saying that Alberta's best shot at fighting what Justin Trudeau has in store for us is playing the stupid game until reality slaps them in the face. Yeah. Actually, that's not true. There is another way Alberta could deal with this. Alberta, Albertans, could spend their time building groups and organizations or an organization, let's call it the Alberta Prosperity Project for just for shits and giggles. We could travel around the province and we could speak to Albertans face to face and tell them, this is the truth. This is what's happening right now. And this is what we want to do about it. We could push back against this global anti-human agenda, this anti-energy agenda, this anti-human agenda, and we could say, look, if this is where the federal government is going, we don't have to go. I don't know if Premier Smith's plan is going to work. I don't know if she'll be successful in using logic and common sense against an adversary that has none. Like, how, how do you fight? How do you fight? And and how do you fight an intellectual battle with an enemy who has no intellect? 
I, I don't know that it could be done. Alberta does not have to go there. And this is why I want that referendum on independence. The federal government right now is interfering in Alberta's business, in our sovereign jurisdiction. We, we are a sovereign state. You don't have to believe me. It's factual. You, you feel free to do a little bit of reading on the subject. We don't have a national government in Canada. We have a federal government responsible for federal things like international trade, military, that kind of jazz. They are not supposed to be interfering with our resources, our health issues, any of it. When the provinces joined confederation, that's what the federal government agreed to. And they are not living up to their contractual obligations with this province. If they're not, if they're going to abuse us, we must be prepared to tell them to beat it. We must be ready for that referendum. Sounds scary, doesn't it? But it's the truth. Speaking of scary, oh my goodness. I have never been more terrified in the last three years than I was today. I learned what the new COVID variant is called, and it's called the Kraken. So I said that our government is using fear to control us. Do you remember back in 2008, I believe, a fella by the name of Al Gore, lying Al Gore, he told us if we don't do things that he wants us to do, that the IPCC wants us to do, that the United Nations wants us to do, that the WF, WEF advocates for, if we don't do those things, the earth will be on fire by 2016. You remember that? I'm 43 years old and I've been hearing climate alarmist propaganda my entire life i remember it from elementary school i remember going home and telling my mother she was bad for using hairspray in an aerosol can because she was removing my future she was ruining my future well that ruined my day because i couldn't sit down for a week after that i've been hearing climate alarmist propaganda my entire life i've been now I realize that our governments have been using fear to try and make us do things our entire life. <clears throat> Not only that, the Canadian government was recently busted for having what was called the, or what is called the Canadian, the Canada Behavioral Sciences Department. A propaganda department does, with, the with the intent of nudging you to doing what the government wants. All of those things you saw about COVID-19 those little catchphrases, <coughs> the advertisements on TV, the billboards, that's where it came from. The federal government in this country is using propaganda and fear against you. And now it should be even more apparent with the name of the new COVID variant. Could they think of anything more frightening? The Kraken. The unbeatable foe of the seven seas responsible for the death and destruction of any pirate or 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 ship person who came across them on the ocean nobody survived the kraken nobody survives it it's so scary 
I don't know what they're going to call the next variant. Maybe they're going to call it the, you know, Satan Spawn 3000 Nancy Pelosi variant. Not that I think Nancy Pelosi is Satan Spawn. I don't know why Nancy Pelosi even came out there. That's just really weird. Maybe it's one of the things I'm scared of. I'm not, actually. The Kraken. The Earth's going to be on fire by 2016 if you don't do what we say. Um, there's other fear things they're using, but we don't somehow see it as fear. You'll own nothing and be happy. We have so much work to do. This started out for me as uh, standing up to, to save my business and pushing back against tyrannical government, realizing that we had legislation in place that allowed the government to chain our business shut whenever they felt like it without any accountability. And it's turned into something much, much more than that. A lot of the legislation that allowed the government to do to us what they did with COVID can and will be used against you for climate purposes. I will guarantee that 100%. They will. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not this year, but it's it's coming. Because the only way to meet these climate this climate agenda, whatever the numbers they want to meet is by you not continuing to exist as a free human being. As a matter of fact, let's, let's have a real quick conversation about the NDP. Now I'm going to use some fear tactics of my own here. You might've been an NDP voter in the past. I might've been an NDP voter in the past. Why? Because I believe in equal, equal opportunity, equality for all. I believe in um, a fair workplace, workers' rights. I believe in strong healthcare, that kind of thing. I believe in good education. All the things that historically the NDP was about. Well, let me tell you something. This climate agenda, this Agenda 2030, did you know that it, it includes things in this these climate proposals? And this is why I don't even want to give them an inch. Because as they say in Holland, you give them a finger, they'll take your whole hand unsustainable going forward into this new world order that we must participate in if we want to survive as a species unsustainable things personal businesses private businesses small businesses unsustainable the family unit unsustainable personal automobiles unsustainable choice of work unsustainable choice of home and location unsustainable farming Agriculture, unsustainable. Transport, unsustainable. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Of things that are unsustainable in the new world that we must attain in order to survive as a species. This is not conspiracy. This is written right into the agenda for sustainable development. And you know who's adopted this? The new Democratic Party. Do you know what also is not sustainable in the new world? Democracy and personal choice is not sustainable. Right in the NDP's manifesto, it clearly stated all of those things. And at one point, thank you to George Clark for finding this out. You could go on the NDP website, you could download their manifesto or constitution or whatever it was called. And those things were right in there. 
I said it before, I'll say it again. This is not about reducing CO2 impact or CO2 output. This is not about your health. This is not about prosperity or human flourishing. This is about removing the things that make you human. It's about removing your choices, removing your freedoms, because this group that's doing this, this group that has these ideas and these policies that they're pushing on us, including net zero, <clears throat> they actually think that this has to be done in order for the human race to survive. That's why I don't even want to acknowledge net zero and I would prefer to elect a government that said, no, we're not doing this. We do not accept this. We're not going down that path. That's why I would prefer if we had a referendum in Alberta and Albertans almost unanimously said, no, we are not following you down an anti-human path. I would prefer that. And I'm going to work towards that. I am going to work towards a referendum where Alberta can say enough is enough and be the freest and most prosperous country, if need be, on the planet. A beacon of hope for everybody across the globe who believes in freedom and in choice and human values. But do I think we can do it in six months? Well, I'm a realist. I don't think we can. In Alberta, it costs about $14 million to win an election. It's not a huge number. I mean, it could easily, one person in Alberta could write the check, but they don't because they don't realize what's at risk here. If I had the money, I'd certainly do it. I was really hoping for that $70 million lotto max. Unfortunately, I somehow got my winning lottery ticket in that fellow's glove box in Calgary, but I hope he's enjoying it. It's fine. So, <clears throat> our government right now, they're not perfect. I don't like some of the things they've done. I don't like that some of the people are still ministers. I don't. Um, I think that some of them should probably be in jail for what they've done. I know it's a pretty bold statement. And I'm talking about with COVID restrictions and whatnot. Certainly, most of the NDP should be in jail for what they've done. Rachel Notley thinks that it'd be a good idea to travel around Alberta, knocking on doors and asking people why they're hesitant to take the COVID-19 vaccine. I would ask Rachel Notley, why is she so insistent that I risk my life? Why? Every day, we see things around us that should make us very fearful of making those choices. We see people dying all around us. There are people in this town who absolutely hate me and want me to die for my position on COVID and vaccines who have recently said such strange things as, why is everyone around us dying? It's scary. But we have to work with what we have and we have to do the best we can. And even more important than that, we have to make sure that we know who has our back. We have to make sure 
we know who we can count on if things get really tough. Because I have a terrible feeling that things are going to get really, really tough before they get any better. Because it's going to take that really tough time reality to wake people up, to slap them in the face and get them out of their zombified, apathetic attitude. So we need to know who's with us. One of the ways we can do that is by continuing to meet together. So these uh, these meetings that we have, like whether it's a Alberta Prosperity Project provincial meeting or a chapter meeting, or maybe it's the, you know, my my friend Shane and Bonnie, their, their group, the Western, what is it, Western Unity Group um, meetings. Those are important. It's, it's the thing that we were missing over the last three years, which is the human interaction and fellowship. Actually, some of us got more of that than we did before because we actually made a point of doing it because the government told us we weren't allowed. But we got to do that. I have some ideas for the Whistle Stop Cafe in the near future here, like this summer. I want it to be more of a community hub. We have tons of farmers around here. We have artisans. I want to open up the property so that anybody who has anything to sell can be there and we can gather and we can talk to each other and we can know who we can count on if things get tough. Do we really have to worry about uh, grocery stores in rural Alberta? Probably not as much as we think. We have a lot of really good producers around here. Worst case scenario, we eat a lot of canned foods in the winter. But I mean, we, we have these opportunities in rural Alberta that other places could only dream of. And I want to really focus on that this year. That's that's going to be this year. As a matter of fact, in the, in the coming days, you're probably going to, well, you were going to hear an announcement about the future of the Whistle Stop Cafe that will solidify uh, my resolve to make these projects, initiatives, and businesses more of a community thing. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us. And we're stronger together. And I want to do something that brings us together in a more meaningful way. And uh, unfortunately, there are people like the lady who phoned my cafe yesterday. Oh, my goodness. She phoned my cafe just to use the same words as people always use. Um, uh, con man, grifter, scam artist, and I think there were some other ones in there. She mentioned my penis a couple times, which is weird. Don't know who this lady is, but she was commenting on you know the size of my, my manhood. I found that very creepy. I wonder if she's watching. I think I'm going to start taping my webcam when I go to bed. Anyway, uh, the conversation did not go well at all. Because there are people out there who just, they don't care about facts at all. They don't care. They don't care that last year and the year before, um, I probably donated more money than what I had agreed to when people helped me buy the restaurant or make the down payment on the restaurant. It was, like, it was I think, something like 14000 bucks. Yeah, it wasn't very much, but it was a lot for me. They don't know that. They don't care. Um, if I had all the accounting in the world to show everything I've ever done, they wouldn't care because it's not about facts. They don't care that my kitchen's clean. They don't care that I follow health rules and I get my food from, uh, proper suppliers. They don't care about those things and they will never care. Surprising that they care about the size of my, but anyway, that's another story. So the conversation went horribly and 
at the end of the conversation, she was just going off and going off and going off. And then <laughs> it might've been a mistake, but my reaction was you're, you're really turning me on here, lady. Like, is this, are you going to keep going? And she didn't like that. And she ended up hanging up and I'm fine with that. Um, I don't even know why I mentioned that. Just to say that there are people who we are never, ever going to reach. They hate us. They want us to die. Um, and I, and the reason I wanted to mention that is because I, I want to acknowledge that there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who are with us way more than what's against us. I get maybe one prank phone call a day. Unfortunately, my staff probably filter a few out. Um, but every day, if I don't have 20 people, at least every day, come into the restaurant or phone me or email me and say, thank you for doing what you're doing. Um, I think I maybe just didn't count right. At least that many a day. Sometimes I'll go, I'll, I'll go through the day and it's never ending. It's constant, nonstop. Thank you for what you're doing. Don't stop. Keep going. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I didn't uh, fold my business this weekend when it almost seemed like I had to because of the support. And the support only comes through doing things that focus around our community of people who want to be free and prosperous. That's our community. We don't need to win everybody. We just need to be uh, so, in, solidified in our groups and set the example for the other ones. Maybe they'll come around, maybe they won't. Maybe we'll end up in a Mad Max scenario. Who knows? But if we do... I got one heck of a truck to be driving around. So there is that. Anyway, I'm, I'm way off track here, but uh, th this was supposed to be about our Alberta net zero plans and what our premier is doing. Um, a lot of you, I know that you don't, you don't agree with net zero. I don't either. I don't agree with it at all. But until we get to the point where enough people are with us, we're going to have to play that game. Thank God for Alberta and Albertans who are able to adapt to that type of thing. We can do this. Absolutely. We can meet these goals while increasing that which makes us prosperous in this province. Oil and gas and agriculture. We can do it. So don't be fearful. And even though we can meet these goals, I know it's not going to be good enough. It's not going to ever be good enough until it's all destroyed. We build community to the point where we are able to say enough is enough. We're not going with you when the, when the rubber meets the road. Very simple. Anyway, I am going to, I'm not going to bed. It's only quarter after eight. I don't know. I'm going to go watch some TikTok videos. Maybe laugh at my cat. Cat's doing great, by the way. There he is. This is his one leg. He only has one. Or no, he has three. He only has one back leg. He's super happy, doing excellent. He goes and gets his stitches out on Thursday. And again, he says thank you for uh, helping him to not be euthanized. He's very appreciative. And so am I. 
Anyway, night, folks. Actually, I'm sorry. I didn't even go through the questions. I'm just going to go quickly and try and pick three or four and answer them. I, I apologize. I get I just get going and I forget. Uh, thank you for sharing. Get them to show up at my door. I hope Rachel Notley shows up at my door and asks me. I, I would love to have that conversation. Um, oh, okay. Th this is important. Isn't the VAX agenda obvious? If you have a digital ID, then you will get a select dose when you're de deemed irrelevant. Um, that's not quite what I thought it was going to say, but what what is coming uh, is things that are going to force you to be compliant. There are things coming down the pipeline for banking that requires you to be compliant and also tracks your personal carbon output of which you would be taxed on. So if you go to the store and buy a steak and then you drive to the next town to go to a wedding dance or you go and you buy, I don't know, whatever, a tool or something, you will be taxed on your carbon footprint. They already have the carbon bank in the European Union. What's happening in Europe is coming to Canada. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. Um, the digital ID may or may not be attached to things like vaccination status. Maybe you have to be compliant. Maybe you don't. I would say it's a very dangerous and slippery slope that it's even a maybe. Um, so there, there's a lot of stuff to talk about and a lot of things we should be pushing back against and a lot of things that we're going to push back against that we're not going to be successful at and are going to come our way anyway, which means that we need to be prepared and we need to know who our community is, right? Uh... <clears throat> oh my goodness. I'm still not allowed to participate in my local native community center not being vaccinated. I can participate in outdoor activities. I'm denied entry to the building to attend family and community functions. That's a load of horse shit. Uh, it's mostly statements on here. It's not... Um, not many questions, really. Where can we find this manifesto? I actually don't know. I'm Maybe I have a screenshot of it from years ago. Um, shoot George Clark a message. He might still have it. He's the one that found it in the first place. And I know after like tens of thousands of us started looking at it, they took it off the website. But he might have it. We need to build our communities. Absolutely. Yes, your daughter could absolutely sell earrings at her market. Last year, I tried to do a market and I tried charging for stalls. This year, I think I'm just going to, oh, I want to do it for free. But unfortunately, I got to spend some money to build some proper stuff to have vendors in. So I don't know. If you want to be a vendor this summer at the Whistle Stop Cafe, shoot me a message. Come in and talk to me about it. I'll tell you what I want to do, what I'm envisioning uh, for the summer. And if you want to participate, then we'll figure out how we can do it together. How's that sound? I think you have big balls for doing what you're doing, Chris. Yes, I do. To the size of grapefruits. You ever see Trudeau sit down and he crosses his legs? And I mean crosses his legs. 
I watch that and it hurts me. I try to do it and I can't. Um, so what does that tell you about Trudeau? Facts have no feelings and feelings or facts don't care about your feelings. Absa freaking lutely. You know what else doesn't care about your feelings? Reality. It's going to slap you in the face nonetheless. The fringe minority is rather large. Absolutely it is. Almost to the end of the comments. Looking for questions. Aren't we already below net zero? Hmm. I don't know. I don't think so. I actually did the math for just like with trees and forest not too long ago. And it seemed like if you were only counting that, we're not. But I don't know. Maybe we'd be pretty close. I know we're extremely efficient in this province. Who the heck can afford electric vehicles when we can afford, barely afford the electricity bills? Like really? Yeah, and that's true. This whole idea that we're all going to be driving electric cars uh, is absolutely ludicrous. Do you know what kind of money is going to be need, need to be spent on infrastructure for that to happen? It's, it's, it is not going to work in Alberta. Our premier's idea is hydrogen fuel cell. My idea is natural gas powered cars. I think we should be pursuing nat LNG cars and trucks because we have so much of it and it's cheap and it's abundant and it's extremely clean. Really, we're looking at water and carbon dioxide as exhaust and carbon dioxide feeds plants. And the natural gas at one point was a plant or an animal on the surface of the earth participating in the CO2 cycle. So we're doing the earth a favor, right? Just like biomass. Uh, we have never met any of our Paris Accord agreement. You're right. We haven't because we can't unless we eliminate human impact or humans. Best town to move to in Alberta. Well, I don't know. I like Mir and I hear that a lot of people say they can really see themselves in Mir. There's a lot of comments, but they're mostly uh, mostly statements, not questions. When is the next Chris and Carrie show? Well, unfortunately, um, so you know I had a cold, right? I traveled. I was on planes, trains, and automobiles. So, of course, <coughs> I got a bit of a cold. Well, I went and had lunch with Carrie, and we we're so excited. We may have, may have had a man kiss, just a small man kiss, and he probably got my cold. So I'm going to wait for Carrie to finish blowing boogers all over the place and then we'll get on to doing a show hopefully he's feeling okay should shoot him a message and ask him actually uh, what about going to winnipeg i don't think i'm going to winnipeg it's just i'm not feeling it i think it's cool but uh i'm i don't think it's for me this time I think it's critical to find out so we can start the refusal process. I, 
that might be talking about digital ID or maybe about the referendum. When it comes to the referendum, we need to be ready now. We need to build that movement to the point where we're ready. We need to have enough Albertans educated as to why we need that referendum and ready to do it in the event that what our current government does fails. Do you think that would be a prudent thing to do? I do. We need to be ready. Ah, right. Carrie will be interviewing Chris on the Alberta Prosperity Project webinar this Wednesday, January 11th at 7 p.m. discussing his trip to Europe. That's right. I thought that was tonight. That's why I sat down in front of my computer to do a, a webinar. Oops. Obviously, this was Carrie that put that, that comment. So thank you, Carrie. Or wait, maybe it was Walter. It's probably Carrie. Uh, the most accurate comment I've ever read about our Prime Minister to date. Voila. Yeah. When can I get back to work? I've been denied two jobs with City of Woke Edmonton, called Smith's office and said to wait for bodily sovereignty constitution. So much for announcing on TV. Uh, you need to get a hold of um, Tracy Allard, I believe. Call Tracy Allard's office, tell her what's going on. Uh, I think the Premier has actually been personally phoning uh, companies that are doing this and advising them that they should probably not be discriminating against people. So for Sonia, uh, get, get I, I believe it's Tracy Allard. Get in touch with Tracy Allard's office, find out what to do. And if it doesn't work for you, tell the city of Woke Edmonton to just pound sand. I know it sucks to not be able to do what you're comfortable with or get back to the work job you love. But as a friend of mine, Roger once said, sometimes plan B is better than plan A. Maybe a change of town, a change of scenery, a change of job is just what the doctor ordered and you'll be happier than you would have in that <coughs> woke Edmonton job. That's all I can say. <sighs> Chris, you are so funny looking. Thank you. Oh, it doesn't say looking. It just says funny. Yeah. Wow. I really started something with the balls comment. Oops. Uh, do I like Danielle Smith? Yes, I like Danielle Smith. Do I think she's perfect? No. Do I agree with her on everything? Absolutely not. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's things that I specifically tell her I, I do not like that she's doing. Uh, but do I like her as a human being and as a person? Sure, I do. Yeah, she's a great lady. And ridiculously smart. I think that's pretty much it for comments. Uh, somebody's asking me if I would have Pastor Patrick Schoenberger on my show, Pastor of Heights Baptist Medicine Hat. Sure, I'll just have to get him to give me a call.
Oh, is that it? Oh, it's Carrie. I was thinking, geez, that guy's, that's a handsome dude. And I didn't realize it was Carrie. Ha, huh, there's a good one. How much fines and jail time are at risk for your coming court date? I don't know. I don't think any jail time. It's like traffic court, but they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars fighting me and trying to get a few thousand bucks out of me. I I, I think I would be at risk for significant fines. Um, but for me, it's not the, the fines aren't the, the risk. The risk is allowing the government to do what they did to me. Uh, and them thinking they can do it to somebody else. So fines or no fines, this is a fight that has to be fought, and I'm happy to fight it. Ah, here's something someone says. Uh, it's a career change. Had been in healthcare 21 years, now a truck driver class three you know some would say going from healthcare to truck driver is a downgrade and i i used to maybe think that but i don't think that anymore our jobs are only what we make of them they're only whatever our attitude about our job is that's what our job is i mean i went from being responsible for five or six different rig operations in another country um you know really high up on the totem pole, making big money, the big boss, boss guy to a cook. And some people might say, oh, well, that's a, quite the demotion. And I disagree because when you find something like, you know, being a cook, sure, it's, you know, I'm not running a bunch of different jobs and doing a bunch of technical stuff. However, I'm doing something that's extremely important and that's feeding people. I love feeding people. I love cooking things for them and watching them enjoy it. It makes me extremely happy, just as happy as when I'm doing a, a rig job and it goes well within budget. So it's not what your job is. It's how it's the pride you take in doing it. And even, even this, like people might say, oh, Chris, you, why don't you just go back to work being the oil patch? And why you got to be a podcaster, blah, blah, blah. Well, because I enjoy it and I'm helping people to find information and make decisions. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can to be a part of my community in a way that I've never done it before. And it feels good. So I like doing it. Even, even though the pay is shit. <laughs> uh, some, is that Kevin Johnson? KJ Johnson? Is that Kevin Johnson? Daniel Smith said they'll be capping natural gas prices. Does anyone know when? This month. Natural gas prices are capped at 13 cents. Or no, pardon me. <coughs> Power. Power prices are capped at 13 cents per kilowatt hour for January, February, and March. After that, you're out of luck. Uh, someone's asked me again about farm fest. Maybe they can hold it at the whistle stop cafe. Sure. Why not? I'd be happy to hold a farm fest at the whistle stop cafe. Uh, one thing about any market stuff at the whistle stop, if you're doing anything with food, 
um, you have to make sure that you yourself are responsible for ensuring that you're properly permitted through Alberta Health Services. Ugh, I know. Uh, part of the reason is because I'm not going to deal with Alberta agriculture and become a farmer's market because that's just a bureaucratic mess and I don't agree with it at all. Why should it be okay for somebody to sell a muffin at a farmer's market, but they can't sell the same muffin at my public market? It doesn't make any sense. It's a rule for the sake of being rule and I don't like it. But if you want to... Uh, if you want to do stuff at the whistle stop, say you will have meat products or whatever. Well, if your meat is provincially inspected, properly packaged, labeled, and you have a food handling permit, absolutely. You can sell it at my, at my place. I'll give you the spot. Same thing with uh, like prepared food. If you're cooking like pies and stuff like that, and you have a proper food handling permit, all your stuff is done. Absolutely. No problem. That's the, the only catch for a market that I would do. Why? Well, you might think that I'm just some big rebel in scofflaw and I don't follow any rules. That's not true. I follow the rules, but when the rules threaten my life, um, I don't follow them anymore. Will you have another presentation like the one in Pinoca, the European information presentation? Yes, kind of. Tomorrow at 7 p.m., I believe, uh, Carrie, my friend Carrie, will be, who gave me my cold, will be interviewing me about my trip to Europe. So tune in for that one. That's going to be a good one. Am I the only one um, who read this as such? Who's got the biggest balls of them all? Gene Simmons. No. What am I talking about? Jeez. Question is the digital registration for the Alberta $600 part of the federal digital ID. Is it connected to the driver's license and health and financial records? I have no idea. I know that I have had an Alberta digital ID for a few years because you need an Alberta digital ID to do apprenticeship stuff and your health stuff is attached to as well. But uh, as for if that's going to be attached to the, the financial stuff, I have no idea. When is your court date? January 6th, 9.30, Red Deer Provincial Court. Be there or be there. Ah, there we go. Hey, on that note, um, if you're supportive or not supportive, please take the time to go over to the Chris and Carrie show. And like and follow it over there because it's one of those, what happened is we, we put all these pages up and then all the trolls who have nothing to say but grifter, con man, um, small penis, they went there and they just talk shit all day because they're banned on this page because they have nothing to contribute. So they go over there, they're like flies. As soon as they find something, they just buzz over there and start being annoying or actually they're like, uh, they're more like wasps, you know, you know, wasps, you ever, you ever see that picture that, that, uh, meme about wasps. And it says like, this is a honeybee. This is a working bee or worker bee. This is a, a Mason bee. And then it shows a picture of a wasp and it says, this is a flying C U N C U next Tuesday. Yeah. They're more like wasps. 
Anyway, uh, it would be very much appreciated if you guys went over to the Chris and Carrie show on our different platforms and followed it and commented and, and, you know, offered a little bit of encouragement over there because there's like a dozen people that follow me and Carrie around everywhere, except for in person because they're a bunch of, you know, cowardly pussies. But did I say that out loud? I think I did. Um, yeah. Could use the support over there. Life is what you make it. Yes, it sure is. What are your thoughts on the division between organization of the Unity Convoy in Winnipeg? Do you think there can ever be a realistic situation where groups can actually unite together? No, I do not. Because they're run by human beings. And that's not how it works. Uh, the convoy to Ottawa was huge because it was a true grassroots movement. Nobody was the boss. Nobody was the leader. Nobody was the organizer. It was the result of the feelings of millions of Canadians, actually millions of people all over the, all over the world. And that's not something you can repl replicate by being an organization. Sorry. No, I said uh, January 6th has passed. Yes. Hi, Deb. January 16th. I don't know if I said 6th. Maybe I did. You're probably right. But January 16th. Did I say 6th? January 16th, Red Deer Provincial Courthouse, 9.30. Sorry. <laughs> this guy did a stupid-ass podcast with a guy named Jason Etsy, who stands in all of his pictures with his arms crossed. You know how you can put your fists under your biceps to make them look bigger? He does that. They did a podcast talking about how I'm a psyop and controlled opposition and a grifter and getting dark money from the government. And they said this stuff about a bunch of other people. I responded. Danny was butthurt. I just completely blew him off my Facebook because he's he's totally irrelevant. But uh, yeah, I, I get a real kick out of listening to people talk about me and then responding to their comments. Court date, January 16th. Who's coming? Yes, okay, I said the 6th. I'm sorry. You can come to the one on the 6th if you want. So who who's coming to court on January 16th? I think we should do something interesting. Like maybe we should <coughs> book a restaurant for lunch or something. Just all get together. Something like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe we could have like... I don't know. January 16th, Red Deer Provincial Courthouse. It's going to be awesome. And you have, you can't be doing the, you know, like, you've never seen me with an F Maple Leaf Trudeau, CK Trudeau flag, right? Never. Not once. I've taken pictures with them, jokingly saying, hey, I don't understand what this flag is. But you don't see me with those flags. And it's not that I, I don't think that you have the right to express yourself like that. I choose not to express myself like that just because I don't know. I don't feel it. So 
I would ask that if you come and hang out at the courthouse, that you keep it respectful and, you know, just the way we always do. I, I, I don't even have to ask this because it always goes like that, but I suppose I should just mention. Ooh, lots of people are coming. This is exciting. You know what I'm most excited for on January 16th? January 6th plus 10 days. I'm most excited to go for lunch. That's right. At the casino. Just kidding. We'll be going to the casino. Everyone dressed to the nines. I'm going to dress like a judge. Just kidding. I'm not. No, that'd be great. I'm really excited. I'm I'm super, super excited to get into court. Um, I want I want this to be over and done with. My lawyers are doing an awesome job. I still have faith in the judicial system, not the justice system, because what we've seen in the last three years certainly wasn't just. But I'm uh, I'm gonna enjoy it. Time, I may have missed that. I've said it like two times. Oops. Who put that on the end of there? January 16th, 9.30, Red Deer Provincial Courthouse uh, is my trial. Okay, I better wrap this up. Uh, it's 20 to 9. It's almost past the time past my bedtime. <clears throat> so thank you very much, folks, for watching. I appreciate it. I hope that I, you know, that informational part of this was informational um <clears throat> so just to recap while i don't believe that the path that our current ucp government with daniel smith as the premier is taking is the most um what's the word the most is the best path or the right path I understand what they're doing. I think net zero is a joke. I think it's unethical, completely unethical. As a matter of fact, it's it's not just unethical, it's anti-human. But I know that I'm a minority in that opinion for now. It's tough to think that we could change that in the next few months which forces us into a position where we have to play a game to survive and the game to survive would be okay trudeau you want us to meet these requirements well we can do that we're going to do it in our own way stay out of our lane stay out of our jurisdiction it's ours we can do that and we have a premier who's willing to do that so i would say i'm i'm grateful that we at least have that. <clears throat> we do have other political parties who flat out refuse to acknowledge that net zero is in our best interest at all and would never do so. They're very principled in that stance. They're very principled 
in their in their knowledge that what the WEF, the United Nations, and these globalists want to do want us to do to ourselves is evil and anti-human. And if they made government, they would never pursue these paths. As a matter of fact, they, if they made government, would say, if the federal government wants us to go this way, we're getting out. We're out. We're out of here. We're not sticking around. And I totally understand why. I think that's what we would have to do. So there are options out there. Um, but that's for you to decide what's on your heart. Somebody commented there's some big flaws in Daniel's plans. Um, uh, what I would say is knowing what the what the federal government wants for us, uh, knowing that it's not just net zero, I would say that, yeah, the plan is flawed and probably won't work. But do you remember what she said? Do you remember what Daniel Smith said when she was asked if the federal government refuses to stay out of Alberta's sovereign jurisdiction? How far is she willing to go? What would she do? What would be her or else? And she responded saying that the or else is the people of Alberta. And she said the Alberta Prosperity Project, but really that this means the people of Alberta. That's the or else. The people of Alberta have to stand up, get that referendum on the table, present it to the government and get it done. We are the or else. So we need to be prepared. So if you think there's flaws in Daniel's plans, um, you should be working to educate other Albertans as to what the or else is. Make sure that people know that they have the power. We have the power. Anyway, night everybody. Thanks for watching. Um, I don't have any words of wisdom to leave you with, but I would say cheers. Happy New Year. And uh, miss you, Jasper. <laughs>